I want to preach a message called Bringing Comfort uh, to Others. <clears throat> Last week we spoke about being yoked with a comforter, and I want to continue that on this week, talking about how we can function in manifestation gift prophecy. It is something of a, uh, a whisper that we felt from the Lord that, that there's an urgency on this, and I think there's a, there's a season. I think God is wooing and calling his people to step into prophesying more and to using manifestation gift prophecy to encourage and strengthen and encourage and comfort other people around us. If you are uh, somebody who has given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, then these gifts are in you. The Holy Spirit has gifts, and if he lives in you, then you can make those gifts manifest, and they work by desire. If you want to partner with them, you say, Holy Spirit, use me. Now, I love the, the way the Lord did this, is that he sneaked in this idea at the end of Corinthians chapter 12, that he says, eagerly desire these spiritual gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And then Corinthians 13 is all about love, which is one of the most beloved chapters of the New Testament. And then chapter 14, the first verse, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So he sandwiches these two things so that if you're one of those people who says, no, prophecy is not for today, you sort of have to rip out Corinthians 12 out of your Bible, and then, oh, oh, let's keep Corinthians 13, but rip out Corinthians 14. I love the Lord did that. Put it, the, two, the two bookends for Corinthians 13 are eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And so we looked last week and we said, you and I are encouraged and commanded in the scriptures to eagerly desire to prophesy. You are told to eagerly desire to prophesy. Greg, I'm not so sure. I'm pretty sure God bookended it. He, he made it. So it's kind of in your face. And so people go, oh, but, but that ended. No, it did not end. But doesn't the Bible say that, that you know, where there are prophecies, they will cease? Yes, and it's speaking in the context of when we see Jesus face to face. For now we know in part, but then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then we shall see everything. Now we, there's weakness, but then we should be perfect. He's juxtaposing now this current reality with the reality when we'll be face to face with Jesus. And you won't need manifestation gift prophecy when you're face to face with Jesus. Because he'll wipe every tear from your eye. And he, he, he'll, be, he'll be glorious. But until then, until you see Jesus face to face, manifestation gift prophecy is not only available to you, but you are, by the scriptures, suggested and required to desire it. Secondly, we said everybody can prophesy. And uh, if you, you want the details on these, the, go, go to last week's sermon on the, on the, online and you can find all this the detail. The scriptures are there. But everybody can prophesy. Greg, doesn't the Bible say the Holy Spirit will distribute these severally as he wills? Yes, the Bible does say that, and it's talking in the context of a specific meeting. The, the Holy Spirit is not going to direct every single person in the meeting to prophesy. But if every person in the meeting who is hungry wants to prophesy, the Holy Spirit can, can call on many people to prophesy. And so everybody can, and those who eagerly desire, and those who are listening to the Lord, will what I've discovered is that many, many times the Holy Spirit will whisper to somebody, come on and go and prophesy, and they chicken out. You all look so spiritual like you'd never chickened out, but I, I'm, just, I'm talking to the other people. <laughs> like sometimes the, you go like, Lord, use me, and he goes, tell this person that. You go, oh, I, I, I couldn't do that. So you don't. So they didn't get the word. So, so he has to go around you. 
And I've been in meetings where I go, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And somebody else goes, I just feel like, and hey, they stole my word. It's like that. Yeah, because the Holy Spirit goes, I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get this word to them, and I was hoping you'd help me. But okay, I'll use this person because they're willing. And I wonder how many times in, in services, we go, oh, there they go again. You know why? Because they're the only person the Holy Spirit could find who said yes when he said, won't you go give this word? So instead of next time pointing them out and going, oh, they're always up there. Go, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry you had to use them again. <laughs> Is that fair? Use me, Lord. Every prophecy then, thirdly, we said, must be judged. That's just a simple truth. Of, and, um, I think one of the problems, one of the reasons why a large portion of the church has shied away from prophecy is because the, the way the prophets prophesied was that they were trying to look good and they tried to pump, pump themselves up. And, and if they were bringing a word, I had to wade through all the self-aggrandizement and all the huff and the puff. Yeah, like, yeah, and okay, you're wonderful. You're amazing. I get it. Now, could you just tell me what the Lord said? I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you understand. I don't want to have to, I'm not here. Okay, I get it. You're wonderful. You're spiritual. I get it. I have news for you. You're all spiritual. You're all saints. Because Jesus lives in you. So we, we, we don't treat prophecies with contempt, as Thessalonians says, it's, it says, but test every prophecy. Well, Corinthians 13 says we prophesy in part, so we, we have to figure out what, which part is which, and we have to weigh carefully, according to 1 Corinthians 14, everything that's said. Two or three prophets should speak, the others should weigh carefully. So there's this, this idea that when we come together and we're going to release a culture of prophetic, that we also release an environment where everybody understands how the prophetic should function. We should, we should understand this environment, and I, we, should, we should get a feel for it. So I want to talk today um, about the sources of prophecy. I want it to be as... Um, Equipping as I could be. I, I wanted to make it as practical as it can be. This is going to be less, less uh, theological, and I'm trying to get as practical. Because I sat down and said, look, how does the Lord give me prophetic words? How do they come? through? What vehicles does he use to communicate with me so that I can bring a word to somebody else? And so I wanted to get as specific and detailed as I could. And my desire is not to dazzle you with verbosity, but to equip you for service. I want to talk about the four most often used ways the Lord uh, uh, downloads to me a word for somebody else. And hopefully that'll equip you and stir you and, and inspire you. Now obviously, the God who is infinitely creative, uh, there, are, there are so many more than these four ways that I'm about to share with you. So this is obviously not an exhaustive list of how he speaks. But in my life, they're the four most common ways God gives me words for other people. So I'm sharing them with you in the hopes that you can learn and be encouraged and emboldened and do the same. Now, remember this environment that we're trying to create. We're not trying to make a name for ourselves or to put ourselves in the center of the frame, but rather we come eagerly desiring what is best for other people. If you, if you switch on that gear in your heart, Lord, how can I be used to help other people? If, if your gear in your heart is how can I look good, you're not going to do good. How can I be in the center of the spotlight? That's not the goal here. 
There are other ways you can go into the center of the spotlight, but spiritual gifts should not be one of them. So we come not with those things in our heart. We switch gears in our heart to say, Lord, could you use me? I would love to encourage somebody. I'd love to strengthen somebody else. It's not about me. It's about them. And whenever I get into that frame, I find that the Holy Spirit loves to use me in that environment. Number two, we present the word in humility, in an open-handed way, so that there is room for the person that I'm speaking to to accept it or reject it if it doesn't make any sense. I've had some people come with a word and they, and they bring it to me and, it, and it just literally I don't know what they're talking about. And so I can be gracious back to them and say, you know, it, it, doesn't, really, it doesn't resonate with me at the moment, but, but thank you for the courage it took to come. And I'll, I'll take it to the Lord and I'll pray about it. Because the honest truth is not every prophetic word when the Lord spoke to me, I understood it. And then, then a day or two later, I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you. So I don't discard anything out of hand, but sometimes in the moment, I don't understand it. And if you want me to embrace everything, you said it because you said it. So I don't come to people with, hey, th this is the word of the Lord. If you don't, if you don't accept this, you, you, there's something wrong with you. Do you understand? Makes it very awkward. So I come with open-handed. I, I, I have a sense this is what the Lord is saying. I believe this is what the Lord is saying, but you need to think this through. Check it out. See if, see if it resonates with you. Because that way they can say, thank you so much, and they can discard it if it doesn't make sense. Because the Bible says in Thessalonians, don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and cling to the good. Which means there are some that you don't cling to. Is that okay? We've got to create this environment, and when we have this environment clear, we can have a freedom to function in manifestation gifts. We remain committed to praying the word through, especially when it seems right. Sometimes the Lord has given me a word for somebody. It really impacts them. You can see they go, man, it produced comfort and encouragement. And, and I go, praise God. And many, many times when I'm praying, the Lord will say, hey, just pray that word through. Just pray it. I keep praying. So there's a, there's a responsibility on us if we're going to be that to pray it through. And then we have to understand the covenant that we're in. We share grace and glory, not legalism and condemnation. Many of the people who want to prophesy take for their style and their, their pattern Old Testament prophets. Old Testament prophets worked in conjunction with the law. Jesus said the law and the prophets prophesied until John. John the Baptist was the last of the Old Covenant prophets. He was the last and the greatest of the Old Covenant prophets because it was the responsibility of Old Testament prophets to prophesy in conjunction with the law, to point out your sin, to call it out, to say God's condemnation is going to be upon that because you, you, you're making God angry, and to call that out. And so they functioned together. It was why John the Baptist got himself knotted up because John the Baptist's message was, you better shine up your ugly bunch because the root is the axe is laid to the root of the tree and God's about to judge you all on this you repent that was John's message and then he got locked up in prison and then he, he said that's the Messiah so for for all the Old Testament the prophets were saying he's coming he's coming he's coming he's coming and John the Baptist said he's here and when John the Baptist pointed out Jesus he was then locked up and then John is sitting in jail and he's waiting for Jesus to slap these people and Jesus is a friend of sinners and prostitutes are touching him, his, his feet, and wiping them with their hair. And he's touching lepers. And he's going into Samaritan villages, all of which was abhorrent to John. And he was like, this can't be the Messiah. 
Are you the one? Many people take as their example Old Testament prophets who prophesied alongside the law. The law and the prophets prophesied until John. But in these last days, Hebrews 1 says, God speaks to us by his son who is full of grace and truth. So manifestation gift prophecy is not a legalistic pointing out of how far short you've fallen. It is an encouraging, this is how high God has lifted you. Is that fun? We're, not in a new, we're in a new covenant. Not a covenant of works-based uh, justification, but a faith-based justification. Not the external rule following, but an internal transformation. Not sin management, Glory management, not measuring how far we've fallen, but how high we've been lifted, not temporary and repetitive, but permanent and once and for all. There are, of course, still wise things to do that will bless your life and foolish things to be avoided, and if you don't, they'll hurt your life, of course. There's still a mandate, don't engage with sin, don't live an unholy life, live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this current age, which is what the Bible says grace teaches us to do. But if we understand that this is the environment, we're in an environment of grace, we're in an environment of humility, we're in an environment where every prophetic word I bring is supposed to be judged, and I understand that the people that I'm speaking to know that they're supposed to judge this. In that environment, I have a little more freedom to say, I think maybe this is what the Lord is saying to you. And that's what we're trying to create. I, I, I just want to dare you. We had some people who picked up the challenge. I threw out a challenge at the end of last week's sermon, and I said, why don't you prophesy at least once a day to somebody? And we had a few people tell me during the week, I've been doing that. And, and the people who've been doing that have said, it's been amazing to see God's release of comfort and blessing and strength for people around them. So let's get to the four ways that, I, that usually the, the Lord does this. I'm, I'm trying to give you a sense of this so that it'll help you, so that it'll embolden you to go and prophesy uh, over somebody this week. Number one uh, is visions. One of the favorite languages of the Holy Spirit is visions and dreams. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will see visions. Now, uh, he speaks an immense amount in a picture form. It's like an instant communication delivery mechanism which requires an interpretation and an unpacking and fellowship with him. Right, so he gives it to you in a picture. Now you, have to do, yeah, now you have to talk the picture through with him. And that's the point. If God, if the Holy Spirit gave loud commands from a distance, then we would be tempted, to, like Israel, to run away and obey from, from afar. But he's not interested in a, a fearful relationship we are the redeemed. The Holy Spirit wants to indwell us and walk with us, so he speaks to us in picture form. And so it's not just uh, get up and walk out of the building. He gives you a picture, and then you have, to, you have to engage with him and find out the nutrient of what he's saying and why, how are we supposed to work this. That fellowship is also part of the thing. So the, the picture is oftentimes the word of the Lord. So you say, Lord, give me a word, and you have a picture happen. And you go, I'm, no, I, I, uh, I don't, my brain keeps seeing these funny pictures, and I'm trying to concentrate on what the Lord's saying. Most of the time, the Lord gives you a picture. It's one of his favorite languages. And if you don't speak picture language, you won't understand that the Holy Spirit's trying to communicate with you. So one of the things you have to learn to do is to listen to pictures, okay? Because the picture is the word. I want to say that again. Let that concept settle in your heart and mind. The picture is the word. Let me take you to Zechariah 6. I could, I, Zechariah 4, I could prove this 
hundreds of ways. But Zechariah 4, angel of the Lord talked with me and woke me up like someone awakened from a sleep. And he asked me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a gold, solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top, seven lamps on it and seven channels to the lamps. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And he answered, don't you know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. And so he said to me, this, this picture, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The question is, why did God have to speak in pictures? Why didn't he just say, this is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Because oftentimes the Lord, the Holy Spirit loves pictures. When he called Peter, he let Peter know that the Gentiles are clean. He brought a sheet full of unclean animals. And he said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, surely not, Lord. I've never tasted anything unclean. And this happened three times. And then, the, then it went up. And then the Holy Spirit said to him, Peter, there are some men going to knock on the door downstairs. And I want you to go with them because I've sent them. And then there's a knock on the door. Peter was not having trouble hearing the voice of God, but the Holy Spirit chose to speak in a manner that was in a picture form. And Peter goes with those men, and the next day, and he goes into a Gentile's house, which he would never have done, uh, because it would have made him ceremonially unclean. And the Jews who came with him would have been ceremonially unclean. But Peter's going, guys, we have to go in here, because this is what the Lord told me to do. So they go, okay. Suppose we'll just do the rites and be unclean for seven days after this. And then they go in, and while Peter's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls in the room, and they're astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to the Gentiles. And then Peter goes, now I get it. See, if you don't understand that God loves to speak in pictures, and that's one of his favorite languages, you will miss out on many pictures the Lord will give you. And so many times when I say, Lord, give me a word, a picture comes. So, just like in this picture of Zechariah, you can ask questions. He asks, hey, hey, what is this? I mean, and goes, don't you know what he goes, I have no clue, because this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Just like Jeremiah says, what do you see? He says, I see a branch of an almond tree. And now uh, God uses that person's mind. In, in, in the Jewish culture, the almond tree was called the hasty tree because it was the first tree that budded. It, it, it spoke of being in haste. And so God shows him a picture of an almond branch. And, and he says, what do you see? He says, I see an almond branch. He goes, yeah, you've seen correctly. And he says, what do you see now? He says, a boiling pot tipping towards me out of the north. And the Lord said, you've seen correctly because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the nations from the north, and they're going to come like a boiling river towards you, and they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to destroy Jerusalem because of the sin in this place, and I'm going to do it quickly. I'm determined. I'm hasty. I'm watching over this word to perform it. That was the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. It was a prophecy against Israel, but the Lord gave it to him in two pictures. Many, many times when I say, Lord, would you give me a word? He gives me a picture for somebody, and then I have to sit internally, ask questions of it, think about it, but, but when, when I have this, I have to sit and listen and say, what does it mean to me? As you think on what the message means to you, something will emerge, a meaning will emerge. And it's not always necessary that I have to share now the whole picture. But oftentimes I will. But I don't have to share the whole picture and my, how I came to understand what the Lord was saying. I just saw, I, this is what I believe the Lord is saying to you. Sometimes I share the picture. If it's going to be helpful to them to understand but the message is important, more important than the, than the picture necessarily. Sometimes the picture is about an action that is happening. Sometimes the picture is about a feeling. It, it evokes a feeling. Sometimes it speaks of a place. 
So, so when the picture comes, just analyze it. What did it make me feel? Where did it make me look? I was uh, just recently, I, I was uh, with somebody and uh, the Lord showed me a picture of a, a whiskey glass. And now, so I could, we were having a spiritual conversation. I could go, you know, I, I just rebuke that whiskey glass, you know, idea. But, but so I just sit with it and go, what are you saying, Lord? And I, and I feel, we're in a board, we're in like a club, like a, one of those really rich, snooty clubs. We're really wealthy people sitting around and make, and I saw this thick whiskey glass, right? And, and, and I saw a, a, a discussion happening on, on money, but like serious amounts of money. And so I'm, I'm saying, Lord, what? and I felt like the Lord said, I'm, I'm wanting to invite this person into these rooms, that this is part of what I'm doing. And do you understand? Now, I could have quite quickly said, oh, you know, I, 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 I don't drink whiskey. You know, I don't like, I don't know anything about whiskey glasses. Could have missed out on the Lord whispering a promise to somebody. So think about the picture. Think about what it means. Ask questions of it. And uh, uh, oftentimes, this, is, I don't, this may not happen to you, when, when there's a healing, uh, oftentimes the Lord shows me a red dot on somebody's, you know, I see a picture of a person and a red dot somewhere. I, I, was, I, was, um, I was with a young man, somebody said, you know, Greg, prophesy over this young man. I stood in front of me and I looked and the Lord showed me a red dot on his teeth and I said, there's a problem with your teeth. He goes, yeah, the doctors want to take all my teeth out. So we prayed for healing. I had a lady who was a, a, on, on national TV, she was a national newsreader, and the Lord showed me a dot on her, on her neck. Showed me, uh, I had a picture. I had a picture of a woman with a, a blue crossover top on and a red dot on her neck. And I said, I don't know, there's somebody here, it was a large church, it was 5,000 people, so there's somebody here, you're wearing a crossover blue and, and there's something wrong with your throat. And she came up, she was a new cast, and we prayed. She said, the doctors don't know what's going on, but I'm losing my voice. We prayed with her and God healed her instantly. There, there is... There is something about uh, just being careful for the pictures. One of the ways the Lord wants to give you information is he wants to load it up in a picture and drop it off in your mind. So, so, so just calm down. You don't have to blurt it out. Just calm down. Because the spirit of the prophet, the Bible says, is subject to the prophet. Right? If, if I'm in a meeting with you and my wife, my wife comes over and says, your, your fly is down. I, I don't. Uh, immediately jump up. I'm, I'm casual. I go, excuse me, I just remembered and I, I walk out the room, right? There's, a, there's, a, there's an appropriate response to, to, to information that comes. So when the Lord gives you a picture, you don't have to blurt it out. You don't have to get weird. Just sit there and say, Lord, talk to me about this picture. Is that a bad analogy? Sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm now wanting to check. Now I'm just going <laughs> to. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. So. Um, where were we? Come back unto the spiritual here. <laughs> Ask questions of the picture. Because the Lord gave you a picture, and it, it will mean something unique to you. That picture may not mean the same thing to somebody else, but to you, that has this connotation. And that's a helpful thing. So, that's number one. Second one that the, that the Holy Spirit loves to download to me is, is Scripture. And uh, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. As the author of the Scripture, the Holy Spirit, the glorious ex-executor ex of God's will, will use the Scripture 
with a crisp ac accuracy. He, he often speaks in Bible verses. And uh, the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. The scripture says it can divide between uh, joints and marrow and the intents of the human heart. And um, so sometimes uh, we've probably all had that experience when you're reading the Bible and, it, and, and a verse just jumps up and you know, it jumps off the page and bites you in the heart. And you go, wow, I think the Lord's speaking this to me. Um, but that can happen any time if you have the word of God in you. And if you let the word of God dwell in you richly, and if you spend time in the word, and if you meditate in the scriptures, and, you, and you're in reading, oftentimes the Holy Spirit will begin to use, he'll pick up some of the stuff that you've, you've built into your heart and mind, and he'll start to use it like a sword. And you can, you can resist, you can push back some things. And um, so, so the more time I've tended to spend in the scriptures, the more material the Holy Spirit has to work with in my heart and mind. So I, I just want to say, let the message of Jesus dwell in you richly. Teach and exhort one another and sing hymns and spiritual songs and let the word of God be in our mouths and in our minds. And allow the sword master to wield his sword skillfully through you. And oftentimes he will speak to people like this if you are open to it. Uh, sometimes the Lord will, when I, when I say, Lord, give me a word, he puts a scripture in my mind for the person. Because that's a scripture for them. And, and you know what, friends, that's enough. I don't have to, I, as though I can improve on the scriptures. I go, I just feel like the Lord's giving you this scripture. That's fine. The Lord put the scripture in mind for you. Boom. Many, many times when, when I wake up uh, just early in the morning, uh, first thing in the morning, the Holy, there's a, the Holy Spirit just put a scripture, just a whisper of a word. This is the word for the day. But many times if you say, Holy Spirit, would you give me a word for somebody? He'll, he'll whisper a scripture to you. I remember we were praying for a young girl. You've heard me tell the story before, but uh, it, uh, the Lord told me she's going to take captivity captive, which is a scripture about Jesus. He take, took captivity captive. The Lord said, she's going to be the same. Thirdly, our emotions. Uh, the Bible says uh, Jesus got up went to, his, so he's talk, Jesus telling the story about the prodigal coming home. He went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. His father had been um, dishonored by his son publicly. Son had taken the inheritance publicly, left the father to fend for himself. The son was supposed to be there to support his dad, to, to work the farm, but he grabbed for whatever he could get, left, and in the public, where's your son? He left, ran away from home. It was a shameful, disgraceful thing for that father. And um, he was supposed to, under Jewish law, if that son came back, he was supposed to beat him. And sometimes they were supposed to stone the son, but the father wasn't allowed to join the stoning. How's the, how about that? So that... Typically what the father was supposed to do under the law, but when this father sees his son coming home and he sees how broken he is, he's filled with compassion for him. And the father throws aside all decorum. He throws away all the dishonor that came to him through his son. And he runs to his son because compassion has filled his heart. And he kisses him and he welcomes him back. Our emotions are funny things. They're a massive gift from God. But if they're let out of control, they become abusive dictators. But often when we get into step with the Holy Spirit and we have whole emotions, it feels like he will fill our emotions for a moment with his emotions. A deep compassion for somebody hits you or a tenderness of an emotion or an urgent exhortation or an expression of concern, that emotion is most often entirely for the benefit of the recipient. So sometimes I say, Lord, 
do you have a word for them? And I feel this well of emotion. I go, wow, that's, that's your heart for them? He goes, yep. And, and many times, it's not just that God's trying to toy with our emotions, but rather he enlightens our emotions. He enhances them with his pure and holy emotions. And, and when you catch that in your spirit, when he lends his emotions into your spirit, you, you get a sense of how he views them and how he feels about them. And that's a profound gift, not just for them, but it shows you his father's heart. Many times when I'm asking the Lord to give me a word for someone, he'll give me a sense of his heart for them. That's a very cool thing. Sometimes I feel his father's heart. I have to restrain myself quite often from just hugging people and holding them like a father does. Because they don't know me. It's like, well, they're probably going to think that's weird. But that, I have that sense of the emotion of God. I, I just want to hold them tenderly like a father holds his daughter. It's, it's going to be okay. The fierce protection of a father. I feel that sometimes. Sometimes it's a deep compassion. Sometimes an anger against an evil. <laughs> I've gone into intercession hours for some people. Because I got so ticked. I'm going, I don't even, hardly barely know these people. I don't, my own emotions are not there. But I feel the Holy Spirit's just provocative against that evil. Jesus comes to Jerusalem. The Bible says Jesus wept when he was at, the, at you know, Lazarus' tomb. But, the, but that means he shed a tear, tear, tear dripped down his cheek, you know. That's the Jesus wept. But when he comes to Jerusalem, and they come out and they're celebrating him, not as the Messiah, but as the, as the, the, the Messiah made in their image. They come out with the shouts of the Maccabees. The Maccabees, the, sign of the, the symbol of the Maccabees was a palm frond. And so people thought cutting down palm fronds and waving them. And they shout Hosanna, which was a war cry, a rallying cry for, for uh, anarchy. It wasn't a cry of, it wasn't a holy word. We've made it holy now because it's in the Bible, but, but Hosanna was not a, it was a rallying cry for the Maccabees. And so they laid down palm fronds and they shouted, here he comes. Because in their hearts, they thought Jesus was coming to destroy the Romans because the Maccabees had driven the Romans out temporarily out of the nation. And so they begin to, yeah, this is our moment. And Jesus weeps and he weeps uncontrollably because he says, you've missed the Messiah. Messiah. You've missed the day of my coming. You accepted me as a revolutionary leader when you should have accepted me as your eternal king. God will use your emotions sometimes to communicate with you about somebody. And lastly, you're the furnishings of our mind. Uh, it says it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. That's a fascinating scripture to me. Is in my book, if it seems good to the Holy Spirit, what do we need my opinion for? <laughs> right? I'm like, well, the Holy Spirit said, yes, I'm in. But they said, seem good to us. Seem good to the Holy Spirit. Seem good to us. I'm like, wow. It's an interesting concept. God uses the furnishings of our mind. He's the master creator, making beauty out of ashes and intricacies out of formless voids. That's who he is. And he'll come to an eager and surrendered mind and bring together out of all the materials that are laid about there a message of hope and comfort for the people around you. So when I prophesy, sometimes the Lord speaks to me about my military service comes into play because I learned stuff and I did stuff and, and, and it's up there. And so it's part of sometimes the Holy Spirit goes, yeah, that's useful. I can use that as an analogy. 
And so the experiences I've had, the books that I've read, the things that I was taught, the education that I worked for, the friends and family that surrounded me, the, the entertainment I've imbibed, all of that is up there somewhere. And the Holy Spirit uses the furnishings of my mind, the experiences of my life. And so if, if I say, Lord, could you, could you give me a word for somebody? He goes, yeah, and he rummages around and he goes, Here, here's, the, here's the thing. I, I remember I was uh, prophesying over a girl who was, who was, who was launching and we were, we were, we were, and the Lord said to me, um, "She shall gaze upon tempest and not be moved." That's from a sonnet by Shakespeare. I was like, "I got Shakespeare's sonnets up there somewhere." Love is not, love is not altered when alteration finds or bends with the remover to remove. No, it's an ever fixed mark which gazes upon tempest and is not moved. And the Lord's, that's the phrase, gave me, she gazes on tempest and is not moved. And I, and I said, this is how the Lord sees you. You're going to look at the storms and not be moved in fear by them. I love that word. Shakespeare. God will rummage around in your head, in your heart, in your experiences and what's come up. And he'll use the furnishings of your mind. Don't be scared of them. Well, that's not spiritual. Doesn't matter. We're spiritual to her. She felt spiritual. I said, you know, you are going here. She was going internationally. You're going to walk there. You, don't, don't fear. You're going to walk into things and you're going to look at the tempest and the tempest is going to bow. That's who you are. That's what God's going to anoint you with. So God is going to use the furnishings of your mind. And don't be scared of that. Uh, so let's bring this to a close. If you can... Um, have a genuine desire. Lord, I'd like to be used by the Holy Spirit. I think you would be surprised and blessed by how often, how voracious, how hungry, how eager the Holy Spirit is to say, all right, are you willing? Yeah, come. Just say this to them. And, it, and it's, a, it's the most beautiful thing to see God just grab hold of somebody and encourage them and lights come on. The amount of times that I've said something that somebody else has already said to them, Happened to me three times this week. I feel like this is what they'll go. Somebody just told me that. I go, the Lord's trying to get your attention. And you know what? Most of it is not going to change their life. I'm going to pick on Stephen. I remember some years back, I was praying for Stephen Templeton, and the Lord showed me a crane. And, and you know those big cranes that pick up stuff and and they carry weight on the one side, and I saw them adding weight to the one side of the crane so it could pick up a heavier load. And I said, Lord, what's that? And the Lord said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna promote Stephen at, at work, but tell him, don't worry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna strengthen you, you're gonna be able to handle the load. And, and they, they were you know, crazy busy with the adoptions and just eldering and, and business exploding, and you know, there was enough on their plate. And I went to Stephen, and I said, I was kind of, you know, this is just from a little picture. I just feel like this is what the Lord is saying. He goes, they just asked me to be the head of the dermatopathology for the nation, I think. It was a national, you know, they've asked me to lead it, and I was, you know. Now, that word didn't make that true. It just was an encouragement and a comfort to him. The Lord says, I'll strengthen you to, to handle the load. There are some people around you, I guarantee you this, whose lives would be made incredibly joyful if you just had the courage to say, Lord, could you use me? Don't try and be brilliant. Don't try and be amazing. Don't try and draw attention. 
Just have a desire to comfort them, to encourage them. Holy Spirit loves, loves, loves to do that through you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for what you're going to do among us. And I ask, Lord, that in Jesus' name you would release a profound sense of freedom and that, Lord, a thousand words would now be released through this church. Just words of encouragement, words to stir, words to comfort. Bring forth, Lord, life through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.